A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello listeners and welcome once again to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Today, we've got a new guest, first time ever, Bridget Kigambo from Uganda. Bridget, a very, very warm welcome to you on your first podcast with World Game Changers. Hi, Paul. Hi, listeners of uh, World Game Changers podcast. I hope everyone is well. So, listeners, what we thought, uh, Bridget and I, what we thought we'd speaking about today is a topic very close to the ladies' heart called Redefining femininity. Bridget, why have you chosen that topic? Why do you want to focus in on that? I would say uh, the reason why I chose the topic to be redefining femininity is uh, comparing, comparing the circumstances and the situations in generations before and in our generation right now. I think uh, our work and uh, all our life is really redefining uh, the feminine sphere and the feminine circle in a way that uh, women in uh, 1990 are not the same women we have in 2022. Would you say that that is specific to Uganda or do you think the world is changing and women are different throughout the world from, well, let's say 1990? Or is that just in Uganda or both? Uh, I would say it's both because, of course, what happens what happens in our continent or in our community right now uh, really shows you what is what is or what might be happening in the other parts of the world. So I believe, of course, uh, there are a lot of changes between uh, how women used to live back in 1990 and uh, right now in 2022, whether in Uganda or in the other parts of the world. Mm, Okay. I want to just focus in, um, Bridget, if I can, on one particular aspect. And I say one particular aspect because it's something that, Relatively speaking, in the West, we we don't we don't have that in depth experience that that you have in Africa around FMG, uh, sorry FGM FGM issues. Mm-hmm. Is that is that quite? I'm going to play almost as if I know nothing about it because that I think in many respects FGM issues people in the West. They're kind of aware of the term, but they don't really fully understand the implications of it, how widespread it is. Can you give us an insight into that? Because when we talk about redefining femininity, surely that's a massive, massive thing. Okay, I would say uh, in uh, in Africa or basically in Uganda, we have uh, tribes that uh, practice FGM let's say that female mutilation 
mostly uh, that happens in uh, north in northern Uganda and a few parts in uh, Renzori region and that is a cultural way uh, of cutting it's called cutting or circumcision back here at home because uh, our ancestors or our, or our traditional leaders believed that uh, you have to be circumcised to get married you have to be circumcised to get a husband so in most cases uh, let's say a typical family uh, with an aunt or Okay, a typical family with both kids at some point when you reach uh, five years, five years and above, that's when uh, parents, let's say your mother can send you to your auntie's place. Uh, that is uh, who we call Senga or Senga in, uh, in our communities. So when you go to the auntie's place, they, of course, uh, take you through the initiation of why you should be cut and how it is going to benefit you as a woman. And of course, with the, I would say with the wrong and with the wrong tools that they use to carry out that activity, that circumcision, uh, sometimes it's so painful that they have they have to tie the women or the kids, the female girls, on the table and then a cultural leader who is a female would come and slice you with either a razor blade or, or would literally slice you with either a razor blade or a knife. And of course, in, uh, in our part, in my community, I would say in my family, uh, we don't believe in that. So we've, uh, we've not done that. I have not seen anyone in my family do that. But uh, from the stories that we hear from other cultures in the north and uh, some parts of Renzori region, we hear that uh, female gentle maturation somehow uh, contributes to your dignity as a woman because uh, they believe if you're not circumcised you're, or if you're not cut, you most definitely won't get married or get, get a husband. Wow. And this circumcision is—is is that just um, reserved for the for the girls or the boys? Are they circumcised as well? Uh, I would say uh, I would say uh, the FGM is specifically for girls, but of course uh, there are communities that go through uh, circumcision, normal circumcision for males. And uh, it's, uh, it's, bo it's both ways, but FGM is specifically for girls, girls and women. Of course, obviously the female um, genital mutilation. Yeah, okay. So that's one aspect. I mean, is that still rife within, in, in, you know, in Africa in general and specifically? Or is, you know, this awareness raising, Bridget, that obviously podcasts like this, and the amazing work that uh, people like yourself are doing. I mean, are things getting better, would you say? Uh, I would say, I think with the help from the civil society organizations, uh, sometimes we have uh, NGOs like UNICEF, UN, UNFPA, and all those uh, international organizations that are investing funds to create 
to create awareness and uh, train community communities uh, about how how improper or how it is a human right abuse to circumcise young women, especially if they're children, because I, it, it, it deprives them of the, I would say it deprives them of the sexual pleasure. And also it disfigures, it disfigures the reproductive parts of a woman, because if God created you with a full vagina and with a clitoris inside you, and those uh, the cultural norms say that you should cut it off. It somehow uh, dismantles the whole uh, reproductive system of a woman. It uh, causes several diseases. Not even forgetting the trauma that comes with the the whole circumcision. So through those uh, programs and activities. I see organizations uh, creating awareness uh, on how uh, FGM not only deprives women of their dignity or deprives women of their ability to carry on with their work or even do lead lives normally, but it uh, it's not a must that every woman that has to get married has to go through FGM. So I think right now, uh, with the kind of awareness and the knowledge sharing that we are having, we we are noticing uh, reduced cases in, especially in the north, and I think it's uh, better now. And we are also getting there to the extent that FGM will really not be there anymore because we've seen uh, young northern women who are getting married without getting cut. And uh, that somehow breaks the myths and misconceptions that uh, cultural practices uh, disseminate in the communities. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that, Bridget. So when we talk about redefining femininity, I mean, that's, that's one part of it. In your, in your mind, in your heart, in your experience, what are the other aspects that when we talk about redefining femininity, what does that mean to you as a young African woman? Uh, I would say redefining femininity for me would, would really mean I being in a friendly, in a female friendly community where I can fully exploit my potential, fully uh, access all the basic needs that I need as a woman to not only be a woman, but also uh, reach out to the spaces, the superior spaces that before women were not allowed to come around. So I would say back then, of course, society told us that from our biological families, we were meant for either like let's say if you had a family and you were an African man and you had five daughters and one man oh, and one boy, you're expected to invest more money in a boy than in a woman because uh, families believe when the kids are old enough for marriage, the women take all the glory and the wealth and all the knowledge that they receive to the next family. So they do not 
they do not belong to the families that they are born into. But currently, I would say most of the families are more invested in supporting and including all, all girl child or women in a way that if a son is going to school, a daughter should go to school as well. If um, some, and I would say currently in uh, politics and everything, you find that we have positions like women MP and um, uh, the, of course, women MP and the man MP, you find that even in the religious, religious structures that were that used to be so rigid in an extent that they would not allow religious leaders to be women we see some uh, some religious institutions uh, providing platforms and opportunities for women to also lead uh, which i would say is a great way of us redefining femininity i would say we are uh, working towards enabling young women and girls to not only identify their skills, identify their potentials, but also manage their same potentials to see what can they do towards uh, creating uh, gender inclusion and gender equality in our communities. So you do feel that overall things are getting better? Yeah. I would say they are really getting better. And at the rate, at the rate that the things are going, I would say uh, in five years to come, we'll have more women leaders, we'll have more champions that are both women and men, and we'll have uh, the reduced myths and misconceptions or the imposed gender roles that women are supposed to do this, women are created for this, and we'll have more platforms that uh, are given to women to equally exploit their potentials like the men are given. Mm. So you are, you're involved in the Girl Potential Care Centre. Do you want to tell us a bit about that, Bridget? Uh, yes, please. I would say Girl Potential Care Center is a community-based organization that works with young women in Renzori region. Uh, we definitely are so much into creating awareness, creating female-friendly communities, uh, breaking uh, menstrual health and hygiene, uh, hygiene management stigma. We are working towards enabling uh, sexual reproductive health and rights information and uh, services reached to all women so that we are able to not only make choices for our bodies, but also enable ourselves to become, uh, enable ourselves to be women, enable ourselves to be financially stable and also uh, be able to not only uh, uh, exploit the platforms that are there through politics, through economic growth, and uh, empowering each other to thrive for the best. Uh, our organization, Girl Potashuka Center, works so far, I would say we are so proud of our 
work and impact that we've done so far. We've uh, managed to work with around 32,000 women in uh, Renzori region. We've uh, employed over 25 women. And uh, of course, with the challenges that we face from uh, access to SRHR services and information from uh, access to education and vocational skilling, from those key thematic areas, we've been able to support each other uh, through working with uh, other organizations, local, uh, local contributors, and also peer educators within the community to not only uh, uh, provide basic needs to our beneficiaries, but also change the narrative around uh, giving women and girls the same platforms that they give men and boys. Superb. So uh, um, I want to ask you, as we draw towards a close, Bridget, I want to ask you a, a big question, but park that question for a moment. I want to invite you in to share your contact details, how people can reach out to you, find out more about you and the amazing work you do with the Guild Potential Care Centre. What's your primary contact details? Do you have a website, for example? I uh, thank you both. Paul and our listeners. Of course, we have uh, this time, most of the world is digital. We have websites of both our work. We have uh, our website, girlpotentialcarecenter.org. We also have um, a youth magazine where we share comic stories about sexual and reproductive health, and it's called the youthscrolllock.com. And uh, you could re easily reach out to us on all platforms that is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And all our platforms are called Girl Potential Care Center. Superb. Right. So the big question then, Bridget, are you ready for this big, big question? <laughs> so I want you to imagine the fairy godmother's there with a magic wand. And she's tapping you on the shoulder and she said to you, Bridget, I'm going to grant you one wish, one wish in the context of, you know, this redefining femininity. I'm going to grant you one wish. Bridget, what would you say to your fairy godmother? What would that wish be? I would say to that fairy godmother, I would say I would want uh, more wisdom and a platform to exercise my work and uh, an opportunity to access uh, long-term and flexible funding to manage uh, most of the projects that we do at Girl Potential Care Center. Super, super. Listeners, I don't know what to say because I think, you know, isn't it true that there's so many selfless beautiful, compassionate people like Bridget throughout the world doing amazing stuff and, you know, against this barbarism that takes place under so-called culture. Bridget, I think it's absolutely amazing. I really do honour and respect and love the work that you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Paul, and all our World Game Changers listeners for giving us this platform to share our stories with you. 
And on that uh, harmonious note, listeners, I'm going to sign off the way I always do by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond?